Welcome to this week's deep dive. It has been way too long since I've been able to say that because we kind of took a COVID hiatus, kind of one of those like everyone's got a lot of different things to focus on. So we'll just have our Twitter chat and leave it at that. But we're back, guys. And we're Yay! so excited because we have the one, the only Charity Gibson. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So if you don't know who Charity is, she's all over the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, she does social media for a bunch of people, and then she also works for Peerless. So if you've seen an umbrella and been like, I want that, Charity's the one holding it. So Charity, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. This kind of is reminiscent of that first Badass Minute promo podcast we did where you were my guest. So <sighs> you're the first. And first, for anyone watching this in video, do you want to describe where you are and why there's a giant RV behind you? Uh, sure. Well, so with everything happening, um, one quick selling tip, if you're looking to some, for some industry to prospect through during COVID, I can't even talk today, um, the RV industry is booming right now because people are taking their show on the road. So we have been gone since the end of June out just taking the North American tour, basically, okay, the Southwest tour. So today I am in Williams, Arizona. There's all kinds of fun stuff happening around me. Um, and we are about 10 minutes from the Grand Canyon. So we're just sitting here. It's 117 at home and it is 82. <laughs> That's why we're here, Fahrenheit. For I don't know how that converts to Celsius, but it's, it's hot. <laughs> really hot to not so hot. Not so hot. Yeah. So thanks. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. I definitely suggest it. And if anybody out there listening wants to grab an RV and meet us somewhere, we should totally do like a promo road rally. I think that'd be super rad. Honestly, it might be the new form of trade shows. I would so be down for that. And since we're talking about trade shows today, that Did you like is... that segue right there? Good segue. I love this. You are like it's at this <laughs> see it's like riding a bike I know exactly we just we podcast like normal it's good it I mean <laughs> the arrogance that I have <laughs> <laughs> it's not arrogance it's, it's well-deserved confidence thank you I'll take it <laughs> but I, I honestly think and you know what anyone listening out there COVID like 2020 has beat so many people down. Like it's just, it's knocked the feet out from under us. Like it's frustrated us. It's upset us. We've had losses. We've had very few wins. So if you need to be very confident about one thing in your life, go for it guys. Like, yeah, you know, doesn't matter. Just be confident and confidence can follow. So no, <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be talking about trade shows, but we're going to start with a motivational speech. I mean, that's it. Take your wins where you can get them in 2020. <laughs> it's taught us anything. <laughs> perfect. Okay. So now that we had our perfect segue and then we've turned into a motivational speech, <laughs> we'll talk about what we talked about on Promo Chat. So we kind of, we took a big picture look at problems and solutions, and it ranged from um, managing employees to like motivating people to um, could this meeting have been an email because you know emails went to meetings went to zoom and didn't go back to email <laughs> so yeah so that one's been a bit zoomed out but what we're talking about is trade shows so one of the questions was problem trade shows in 2020 virtual booths just aren't bringing the same numbers how do we fix that and of course, charity, our fiery charity goes, one, because it's 
there's multiple points. One, <laughs> providers. One. Stop trying to charge suppliers an astronomical amount of money for virtual events. They aren't the same and never will be. Two, use promo to get people interested in the event. Three, learn how to present. People are only burned out because they're bored. I'm so extra. <laughs> uh, but all valid points. All three points I say are valid. You don't have to agree. I've gone with one and been like, I'm just going to back up. But you went with three points. You know, it's never crowded on the extra mile. So. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> so, which one do we tackle first? Where, where do you want to go? Or do you, um, you want me to just like spin you up and let you go? What are we ranting about today? Well, I think that we should always start with a positive, and I think that the idea of using promo to sell promo um, has always been something that our industry has kind of lacked at, in a sense. Like we will use anything we can besides using our own medium, and I think you know, it's distributors kind of maybe do a better job than suppliers because that's kind of more their jam. Um, you know, a lot of suppliers give self-promo discounts for a reason. So we hope that you use it and that you become a product of your product. Um, but I think that there is a positive that coronavirus and COVID and this whole 2020 thing has really brought to the surface just how powerful promotional products are. And the idea that, and I've said this from the very beginning, where people can't go, promo can. And uh, email inboxes social media it's all overflowing there's so much noise and what is not overflowing is people's mailboxes with rad swag not just generic boxes of junk but well thought out well-intended messages that are clever that show people that even in the middle of a crisis you can still stand out from your competition and i'll say it again i think it as promotional products professionals if we cannot do a stand-up job of using our own medium to differentiate ourselves from our competition then we don't have any business being in this industry and that's a bold statement but if you believe in the power of promo that is when you i believe you have to believe in so yeah. sorry not sorry <laughs> no, i mean it's kind of the cobbler's kids have no shoes as you never think of like your own and mm -hmm. and there have been amazing examples of promo boxes going out so yeah uh, the common skew skew con at home box, always just the sense of fomo and like pride that you had that you're like i got one like it's mine <laughs> was huge mm -hmm. and you got to sort of and that got shared everywhere so just your media impressions alone just kind of covered it and then you've had like uh bill petrie launching brandivate and like how he motivated that so if, like a great article on his thinking process behind using promo to launch a promo logistics company is a great one and then um i don't know if you've seen like john Vo from whoopla a distributor in california he had a very cool one where he yeah. did like it's germ busters so he's sending out these packs yeah. like hand sanitizer face masks like wipes and like just as a sort of like here's what i can do and he's done amazing graphics on it and then you yeah. have like winston lowe out in uh bc like at creative, creative boulevard. boulevard yeah like his face mask it, like they were literally like they're going we design really well here's an example of our design so show it off like brag show about it off doing. yeah the messaging matters and i think and it, the other thing that i'm seeing too is it kind of separates the men from the boys or the girls from the women so to speak all of the people from the people yeah. um because i am seeing that there are more boxes going out and more merch being created 
but the people that do more than just put a logo on it. Like it's cool to get a box full of somebody's logo, but it's way more cool to get a box full of somebody's marketing message. And when it's one, especially that resonates with me. So like the germ busters thing for sure. Um, I actually am working on some stock designs for peerless masks. And uh, one is the, like a coffee cup and the logo for the business is on the coffee cup. And it says every season is pumpkin spice season because I'm an August pumpkin spicer and I'm totally okay with that. Um, but just using the idea that these are walking billboards now for masks, but beyond masks. I mean, if I open a box and I can use the product that's there and I'm proud to put it on social media and it is, you know, something about coffee lovers or something that really resonates with something that I find near and dear to my heart. Um, those are the brands that are winning. So sending out a logo, totally okay, but sending out a message and a strong call to action, even more important, tell me what to do with what you're sending me. It's great that you sent me these gifts, but now tell me what to do with it. Should I share it with a friend? Should I put it on social media? Should I call you for a quote at the very least? These companies are the ones that are getting their brands in front of not only their clients that may or may not be buying, but prospects that have potential to buy from them and there are industries that are buying. So the idea that we can use our product to sell our product um, to these potential people and, and let them know that we're a creative solution for their problems, I think that that's, that's winning. So I think in point number two of my three tweets, um, that's a positive one. That's a positive one. It's, I mean, I'm delivering it very sternly, but <laughs> for good intention, well intentions. <laughs> you know, and it can tie back to trade shows. It's like trade shows were all about the surprise and delight of like new products finding, like talking about ideas, talking about like what your product's being used for. And you kind of lose that when you lose the tactical and the visual completely. Not completely, because you have your flyers and everything. Oh, yeah, but you know, virtual is not the same. Um, it's different, but not the same. And so how do you surprise and delight now? Like, how do you right. do that? And then start tying that idea into different things, like have spoiler alerts of what's coming out in your box and, but don't tell everything and, or have things like, I don't know, one idea I was working on with a client was the award awards get shipped with a champagne bottle or a champagne flute Ooh, okay then, you know otherwise you'd be toasting in person so again it's a surprise and delight so how are you thinking about this new time period in a different way with promo right and not looking at trying to figure out the same solution and how to make it fit but actually coming up with something new and different and creative and I think that to me is so important. And you did mention obviously kind of transitioning into the events. And I guess I'm going backwards because I'm kind of going to number three now, which is the learning how to present. But um, the thought that when we are marrying the tangible product with the digital space. So one, putting, figuring out a way for people to, oh, we're going to have a friend. Hey, Damon's on camera now. Um, <laughs> figuring out how to, <laughs> right? Um, how to marry that physical product with a digital presence. So um, like RMR has done the unboxing video that they did their branded Rocky box. So they had some little spoiler pictures and then they had distributors bought the box. So that's a key and distributors did pay to you know, or suppliers paid to be in it. So there's buy-in on both sides. Um, 
it went to everybody and then it said do not open until and on that same day at that same time we all jumped on a zoom call and opened it together so for me it was just as exciting as a supplier seeing it was in my rocky box because i got one too as it was for the distributors and it was so fun to open all that up and then the bonus was one umbrella from peerless you know maybe it cost us five bucks um put that in the rocky box that went to you know however many people but the big big tie-in is when that went onto a video and that video made it onto social media so now all of a sudden you have promotional products and you're marrying that presence and multiplying the cost or multiplying the impressions which is reducing the cost per impression there's just so much magic that can happen but it has to start with with the product itself and creating that experience and surprising people with it too so i think there's definitely some really really fun and unique ways to present your product that go beyond here's a pen here's a cup here's what's new you know that kind of thing too yeah, you think about sort of how are you promoting, like trade shows are a form of promotion. And so now those ideas now to be spread across the board. So, you know, you can't, yeah. they're not the same and you can't expect them to be the same, which shall we segue smoothly into point one? Number one. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Kate. Keeping us on track. <laughs> uh, it goes into number one of if people don't know, trade shows are the prices is up there for us. It's expensive and it's a frustrating point. <laughs> it really is. And that was well, the basis behind my tweet. So for distributors that might not know, I'm not going to lay it all on the table because, you know, just out of respect for some of our partners, obviously, I, I love and respect all of you and I'm grateful for the opportunities that we are provided to work with your platforms. Um, but we have some like the you know boxes that we can be part of and it's you know like a hundred bucks to buy into and then we provide the product well guess what the products still cost you know five dollars a product we still have to mail it um and so there is expense associated with that that goes beyond just putting our product in a box um, there are some virtual mediums that we can get into. Um, obviously, Zoom, we just pay the cost so that we can schedule our meetings with you. Um, but some other platforms that we can get into for like $250 a month or $250 per show. And that gives us access to as many people as we can bring on. We can have flyers. We can have videos. And then there are like the one-on-one -on -one style meetings that are coming up and some of the other big virtual trade shows that we're paying anywhere between $2,000 and $6,000 just to have access to the platform and then on top of that we have all of the time all of our you know everything and we are still working a lot of us on skeleton crews we're short-staffed we're you know uh, working twice as hard to get our message out there because a lot of these mediums are um, kind of overflowing with content and we're working twice as hard for sometimes you know half the money in some sense and so that to me has been one of the biggest um, challenges because the experience is totally different. And so, um, you know, you don't, I think the, if, agree with me or don't on this one, Kate, but don't you think that, I mean, and I think everybody that's attended a trade show will kind of agree with me too. The magic is not in walking up and down the trade show booth or the trade show floor and picking up every item that we see. I mean, that is part of it. We want to take pictures of what's new, what's catching our eye, but the magic is yes. in having that conversation with the supplier, it's in walking down the hall and bumping into an old friend. It's in having a lunch 
um, or, you know, meeting somebody in the elevator and, oh my gosh, you were in my last education session. How, what did you like best? And being able to ideate. Um, and Tony Shea from Zappos actually was the speaker at PPI Expo a few years ago. And he actually started the downtown revitalization project on the entire premise of what he calls collision math. And the idea that when two people bump into each other, they collide walking down the street or, um, anywhere in passing that great things happen. And so he noticed that when people that were working at Zappos saw each other at a coffee shop, all of a sudden they started talking about projects from different departments and that was able to foster innovation for the entire company in some cases. So he invested in the downtown revitalization project for the entire purpose of providing places where people could collide. I'm gonna build a high rise building and multifamily so that my employees from Zappos can live downtown and after work they'll collide in these coffee shops and in these restaurants and talk about work so it makes Zappos grow faster. And so, um, long story, said all that to say this, <laughs> that <laughs> spending that same amount of money for 125th of the total experience. I definitely appreciate the connection and the opportunity and that, but the virtual meetings I can do kind of on my own. What I can't do on my own is get everybody together in a room. And I know we can't have that right now. And that is really hurting revenues for these companies. But in order for us to survive and succeed and thrive in the digital space and digital meeting space, it's not a new concept. The companies have been doing this forever. Industry has been doing this forever. And in order for our industry to survive and hopefully make up some of those revenues, I think we really need to look outside the industry. How have some of these companies and industries that have been doing this for decades now figured out a revenue model where everyone wins? And I personally think that means that you're getting a buy-in from suppliers that's nominal you're getting distributors to sign up and say i want to take place take part in this event because i find value here and i want to support the trade show company i want to support my suppliers with attendance and if it means that the attendance is a little lower from the distributor side cool we're going to have more quality conversations there'll be fewer people there so we can talk longer and deeper about more important things um and you can do more events over time because the model's here. You're not paying for a hotel. You don't have all of the expenses of those fixed expenses. And then to rebu rebuke the argument that I'm hearing from some of these companies, it's like, yeah, but suppliers don't have hotel. You don't have travel. You don't have any of these expenses anymore. So now what you're saving there, you can pour into this digital platform. And yes, but that's assuming the money is there to spend. One, a lot of suppliers just don't have that right now. And you know, limited staffing too. We've had to pivot just like distributors have to be able to bring in new products to be relevant in a lot of cases. And then Kate, you mentioned there's expenses that you're adding too that. Yeah, there's, well, you know, a bunch of suppliers depending on the state or the country you were in were shut down. Like we were shut down for two months, like right. two months, no income coming in, no, nothing, except we still had expenses. You know, California was shut down. Like there's different states that have shut down and um, and then also now, if to get back up running, we've had to pay money for PPE, like so masks, hand sanitizer, like I know one company that's easily spent like $20,000 on PPE to get their team going. Right. And I didn't spend that much, but it's like our costs that we didn't budget for, like as an operational cost is now there. So there's so many different factors. And so, yeah, I'm saving on travel and hotel and dinners and all of that, but I'm, I'm not getting that collision of like the organic and people, yeah. I have to work twice as hard to get people to just look at me versus because I could get, I could 
make a really cool booth and have people walk by and get things to catch their eye. And so I'd have far more organic traffic than planned traffic. And that kind of changes with the virtual space. It's like, yeah. you have to be intentional. You have to be good. You can't be boring, which is you know, <laughs> the point there because it, the other thing is we have diminishing, like, and this is a human thing and it goes for everything. Like we have diminishing returns on our attention span. And especially now when you are trying to work your butt off, you have kids, like there's so many factors that are pulling out our attention right now. And so to say that you can go on a show floor for seven hours, easy. Are you going to sit in front of your computer for seven hours and bump from booth to booth? No. So we have to think of how we present in a different way too. And, and you want to make sure that you're not doing a same, same, like, you know, it's right. just the same. It's just, you know, but now I'm, I'm barefoot and sitting on my couch instead of like <laughs> in right. uncomfortable shoes for days on end. <laughs> right. Which I do appreciate that part of it for sure. But it, it really, it really, you know, begs the question of, you know, what kind of return are we able to get and what, what does that return justify as far as a cost is concerned? And I really would beg all of the trade show companies and the organizations and, you know, regional affiliates, everything, rethink these costs. Because if you want our industry to survive and thrive, you need manufacturing partners to do that. And obviously we want to keep distributors engaged. And I love what you said about you can't just have like the same, you know, more of the same and things like that. And that's some of the not issue that I have I don't want to say it that way but obviously we know I present in a very unique way I like to keep it entertaining um, just by nature of my personality and people have different ways of presenting and a lot of salespeople have had to adapt very quickly to a new way of doing business and it's not for everybody it's really not and um, it's not even from Bree sometimes like I don't want to do my hair I don't want to get on camera some days and so some days I'm like man I'm really sucking at my job because I haven't been on camera in two days need to get my act together but when I'm here I like to really bring it and some people really do that and some people don't know how um, which also I think leads to the fact that we need some supplier education like I'm willing to teach a seminar on how to present in fact I think I am doing that for us but here in two weeks on how to keep an engaging booth how to you know what to talk about what to present and how to present it um, but that really brings up number three right is you have to be engaging you have to be interesting you have to be cognizant of what you're presenting and I think you also have to do this and be aware of the people presenting before you. So there was a show recently where when you signed up, you had to have a two minute video was your, um, your trade show booth basically. And as a presenter, I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm the first one that people see, I might get people in if they are willing to take a chance and step into Peerless Umbrella's booth and learn the fact that we have bags and outdoor products and masks and other things as well, and that I present case studies and how to sell because I was a distributor once, right? So I might get people in, but if people walk into a trade show and that's their experience where they're watching videos, how many videos are they going to get through before mine? And who are those people going to be presenting before me to make them actually be hungry enough to keep going to the next booth? Like, where is the call to action that other, other suppliers have to keep people going from booth to booth to booth? And how many, I would be really curious to survey people and see how many booths would you go to if the presenters were, yeah. or how many have you gone to? Like, that to me is fascinating because I'm like, if I'm booth number 12, I'm probably going to get people that are like, 
I'm over it. Like I'm out. It's been two hours. I'm kind of done. That's just my thought. And if I'm wrong, I would love for people to tell me that I want to know from distributors, like, what do you want to see? I hope I'm giving it to you. But if I'm not, you know, how can suppliers do things better? Because I know I'm zoomed out from watching some of these people present that I've been wanting to sit in. There are people out there who haven't been on a single zoom call. And I'm like, also true. (laughs) Does it scare them? But maybe this is something uh, that we do think about is like, what's the distributor buy-in? Because that's what trade shows should be thinking about. What is the participant buy-in for this? Because they have a buy-in for Vegas and the, like the stage show and everything else is like, because they've paid to travel there. They've paid for parking. They've paid for a hotel. Like they've got right. a buy-in there. Why is the communication not going to them being like, you didn't have to pay for travel. You didn't pay, have to pay for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we throw $10 into the pot. So if there's 5,000 of you, then that's, you know, uh, why that's are you a- not selling a ticket to the, to the like virtual trade show? I mean, that, the same argument being played towards suppliers can be made for that. And then right. you also want to have that buy-in because when they've traveled, when they've taken time away from their office, their families, they are going to go to every booth and treat it like an education. Well, some of them are just thinking of it as a free pen extravaganza, but, or, <laughs> you know. But they want to get their money's worth. They want to get yeah. their value back out of it. Yeah. So maybe we start charging for it to show that they can, and this sounds awful, force them to get their value out of the <laughs> like Incentivize. <laughs> Should have used that word. <laughs> and if you bribe them with a free promo gift, I mean, incentivize them. <laughs> but I think that that you totally hit it on the head. I think that that's super, super important just for all of us to consider. And before I know, I don't want to alienate anybody distributors. I love you. You guys know I spend countless hours. I work 20, 18 or 20 hours a day and I'm always in the room. I'm always helpful. You can call me anytime and I will always mentor you. Um, but the one thing that I would say is I hear a lot of people like, what do suppliers do for us? They charge us for proofs. They charge us for setups. They charge us $3 for handling fees. And all I would say is I implore you to please speak with your suppliers, go on factory tours. Um, because I was a distributor for 16 years. I had no clue what it meant to actually set up a machine. It means that there's a person sitting there, that there is, um, you know, somebody's Pantone matching. We have somebody hand mixing our inks because they have to be right. They have to look the same on blue as they do on white, as they do on red. And, you know, it it costs money to make proofs. Even if you are just doing it digitally, there is a cost associated to the software and to the person that has the skill to run the software. And, you know, the $3 handling fee when you use your own shipping rate, it takes time for somebody to punch that information into the computer. And we have 160 employees that we feed and we pay fair wages. Um, And that's why we charge those things. And we piecemeal it out so you can see what you're paying for. And in some cases you can avoid those fees. We have ways to, you know, incentivize you. But that's my biggest, biggest hope is that suppliers do have a ton. We put inventory on the shelves and that's a risk. We have machines, we have warehouses, we have people, we have insurance, we have everything. And there's a huge amount of cost to get you that 49 cent pen or that $3 umbrella. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into that. So I would just implore you to take the time to learn what it costs to run a supplier company. I'll tell you, it is not for the faint of heart. And I have so much respect and admiration more than I have ever had before. Um, And I know, Kate, you go through this every day. So I'm just a a peon salesperson. You actually, you know, (laughs) kind of run in the joints. I'm sure you see these bills every day, but you know, 
I love the idea that, you know, we are partners. I'd love to see more distributor buy-in, or at least more distributors being educated on what it takes so that we have less pushback, even if there's not more buy-in. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's the thing is, like, we're hearing, unfortunately, some of it is quite negative. Like, there's certain platforms out there where you can just rant, and, and you're hearing ranting that they're lazy, and, you know, someone was ranting, like, they're not giving me right production times, and I'm like, we're struggling out there. We're struggling so much, and um, Paul Bellantone was in an interview recently, and he said, we're now dealing with have and have nots of suppliers of, like, who did PPE and who didn't, and, you know, we didn't go into PPE, and I still think, like, maybe we should have, maybe we should have figured something out and we just didn't. And it's not the right fit for who we are. And, but it changed the way that we are doing business. And just as peerless has gone into PPE and you've got your cool maths and, and that's changed the way that you guys are doing business. Like it's, it's eating up budgets. It's eating up attention spans and everything else. Changed our margins. (laughs) Like, it's like, okay, you know, like everybody's, I was talking to an importer and she said, you know, she's working on like 10% margins. So you're working day and night and tracking and dealing with, you know, overseas and delays and people yelling and screaming on the phone because they want their products. And at the end of the day, it's like for 10%, like, <laughs> like, that's, ah, like, can we eat on 10% still? Like it's a for everybody, you yeah. know, so just grace all around for sure. 2020 is a bad word right now, <laughs> but it's just one of those have patience out there. People, we know you're struggling, know that we're struggling as well, that everyone is going through their own personal 2020 pandemic battle right now. So right. I think if we end it with anything is innovate like hell. Uh, don't think same, same, cause same, same is gone. <laughs> and and, you know, be patient. Like the world is weird. We're like the best thing I ever heard this week was we're on day pandemic. Ugh. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's how we all feel right now. So yeah. Yeah. Jerry, like, thank you for being part of this. Do you want, Thanks. do you have a final note of what you want to leave out there? No, just thank everybody for listening to my crazy <laughs> rant. I guess not crazy, but my very feisty rant and just for hearing not maybe what I said, but what I mean. And just knowing my heart for all of this is that I really want us all to survive and we need each other fiercely right now. We need to figure out how we can all help each other win because that's the only way we're going to survive. We need to help each other win. It's not about competing with one another. It's not about how can I make more money than this guy or that guy or anything. It's about how are we all going to survive? And I know we will because our industry is strong and we have the best family in the world. Um, but we need to be thoughtful of each other from a human resource standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, point, from a budgetary standpoint. So if you're running a trade show company or looking for revenue streams, just have some grace and be human first and think profit second. Exactly. Everyone, thank you, Charity, for joining us. We love this. Uh, Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And wash your hands, don't touch your face, and wear a mask. And thanks, (laughs) everyone. Sorry.